Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. Here with me is Jay Jones. Hey. And this is Text Driven Tuesday. It is Text Driven Tuesday. But it's Monday for us, Monday morning. Mm-hmm. How are you doing this Monday morning? I've, I've, I can't barely open my eyes today, George. Hey, that was like me last week. Yeah. <laughs> Some allergies. Yeah. And if you can't itch it, you got to resist the urge. Because I've been told by someone that works in the industry, in the eye industry, mm-hmm. that the allergens, they look like little barbs. Mm. And if you if you itch it, you just push it down into your eye. Yeah. So. Fun times. It might, my, my eyes might just be watering during this. And it just, might just be coming down. Yeah. Got to resist the urge. Mm. But if I get it, I, I tell myself, if I get it right in the corner. It's not technically it's, the eyeball. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. It's like uh, it's like having a mosquito bite. Yeah, you scratch around it. <laughs> well, not technically scratching the <laughs> the bite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last week, I uh, I was having a hard time opening my eyes. Turns out I had a chemical burn. Mm. That was fun. Yeah, feeling better though. Yeah, good. Feeling a lot, feeling a lot better than I was last week. Mm-hmm. And now you've got. Were you watching Jory Micah? <laughs> So hey, you got chemical burn on your eye. <laughs> every time, every time I see something from her, I show Julia, <laughs> and Julia, it's so she's so done <laughs> with me showing her Jory Micah stuff. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she always asks why 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 do I still read her stuff? You watched it. It's and because you, it's you hilarious. Your eyes out with <laughs> It's because Jory Micah is just so ridiculous. Yeah. Her I mean, it's just nonsense. Mm-hmm. We didn't show the uh we didn't show her tweet from We'll have to bring it on Friday. Week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something to look forward to. But I did bring something for you, Jay. I don't know if you if you've seen it yet, but uh Okay. I brought it I brought it for you. What is it? Uh what what's your feelings on uh we, we talked about this on Friday. What uh what are your feelings on um, women being ordained to the ministry. <laughs> I think everybody who listens knows, <laughs> right? Uh, it's a no-no. Well, here's a little bit of cringe for you to okay. uh, <laughs> to solidify that for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Women priest is my call. Women preaching for all. Don't listen to St. Paul because <laughs> I can lead the way. My ministry's growing. Excommunication what in the world oh my can't be real is this a real person or was that a mockery as far as i know that was real (laughs) i just had to bring that in for you jay because i I thought you'd really appreciate it on a on a monday night yeah there's a i saw one guy post a thing a list of things to do on monday for your pastor a list of things don't to not do Uh don't complain to him about the music don't complain to him 
about any anything in the sermon. Mm-hmm. Like you got to let them chill on Monday, right? We can add that one to the list. You don't want to see. You don't want to see the. Don't bring uh, in free for all <laughs> material in here. Don't bring that free for all Friday material in here on a Monday, George. Not I was, ready. Try, I was trying to get those eyes open. <laughs> I was trying to pop those eyes open. <laughs> Not ready for that, for that level of insanity. All right. Oh. Well, we are. Uh, this is text driven Tuesday, not yeah. free for all Friday. Yeah. Though, I mean, there's some things that they're just gonna sneak in, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> they just can't wait. Goodness. Yeah. They just can't wait. Uh, but we are. Uh, we are going to continue going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, Sunday was your second sermon in the book, mm-hmm. and you decided that you were going to preach half the book in one sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you decided it was too depressing, so let's just let's just, yeah. get, let's just get through it. <laughs> so, uh, so you went through um, chapter one, verse twelve, through the end of chapter two, mm-hmm. um, and it, it all fits together. Yeah, um, you, I mean, you certainly could have could have broken it apart, but I like the way that you did it. I thought that it was really good the way that you you put it together, yeah. and uh, this uh, you called it the five steps in the quest. Yeah. Um, for finding fulfillment. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was really good. Um, yeah, I, I had so, to fly too. Was it too fast? No. I, it was like a rapid pace. I could tell it was shorter, but it also was very engaging. And so it, it felt like it went by really fast anyway. But I didn't feel like you were, I didn't feel yeah. like you were flying. Um, at the, at, after we were done, someone was talking to me about it. I don't remember who it was, and I and I said I I don't know what I don't know what you could have added, yeah. Like I don't know how you would have made it longer. Uh-huh. Um, I, I guess you you could have, uh-huh. but I felt like you explained the text, yeah. Um, and I felt like I understood the text better after the sermon. So, Good. um, yeah. H- however much you had to cut out of it, I it didn't feel like it. Well, we did baptism, yep, and we had the Lord's Supper also, right. So by the time I got up there, I think it was around close to eleven thirty. Um, it was eleven twenty ish. Eleven twenty. Okay. Yeah. Usually, usually is around eleven oh five. I mm-hmm. think so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you still went almost. I think you still almost went an hour. Really? I don't think so. I got down I before was, before twelve before twelve fifteen. I was done. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out when they post it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's look at the text. Uh, you want to give any kind of uh, reminder from last week before we jump into this? Sure. Like it's uh, what who who's writing it? What's he writing it about? What's what's the purpose? Okay. So Solomon is writing, and he this is a book of wisdom, and it's different, kind of different than the other books of wisdom, as you'll see as we're moving through. He's examining the world, kind of as. Um, as a person who would give little to no regard to God in Israel, I think is the best way you could describe that. But really, it applies to someone today who would be like an agnostic or an atheist, or even a Christian, who someone who would claim they're a Christian and lives as if all that there really matters is the material world. So a secular materialist is the term we, you know, we use today in mm-hmm. our enlightened times. Right. The secular materialist. So it's life under the sun. That's the key word. What's life like under the sun with little to no regard to God? Um, and the, he tells you right up front, the very, very beginning, that everything is vanity. Like, there's vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And that 
word it has different meanings as we'll go through. Uh, one of them means like uh, fleeting, like the wind, impermanence. One is uh, empty, meaningless. Um, one could also be like a perplexity. So context will dictate. But in the very beginning, uh, what he really is getting at the point is that uh, everything in life is empty. There's nothing under the sun, verse 3, that can give you gain. Like you can work your whole life, you can strive, everything you do, all the activity. If, you, if you're if you engaged in activity under the sun in this kind of like worldview to where this is all there is uh, with little to no regard of God, what can you gain for it? Can you make yourself full? And the answer he gave already is, you know, in, in chapter 2, no, it's all vanity. Everything is empty. Everything is meaningless. And then... Um, that's what he he kind of introduced that, and he kind of looked at in a broad sense the things we'll see repeated throughout the whole rest of the book um, as we move forward. That was the intro last week, and then this week what he does is he goes on a personal quest. Well, he he recounts something he did. He recounts a personal quest he went on. Mm-hmm. So he go himself. He goes on a personal journey. He says, "I, the preacher," verse twelve. That's why I took a break there, because it's like a new section starts there. I, the preacher, and he's going to tell you what he did, and he goes on this journey to try to find ultimate fulfillment and ultimate meaning. And it's interesting, because everything he does are the things people still do. Mm. And so there's two ways to learn in the world, really, if you kind of just think about how do we learn from the time we're a baby? Well, we either learn from our own experience, trial and error, or we'll learn from someone else's experience. They'll tell us what they did, and then we don't make the same mistakes they did. And so he takes us on a journey of what he did, I think, in hopes that people that read it won't do the same thing. Right. Okay. Well, do you want to read the... It's a long passage. It's a long passage. I'll read it so they can suffer through it. it. They can suffer through it with me. Not that reading the Bible's suffering, but (laughs) listening... listening, I'm glad that that you... Listening to me read it. Okay. (laughs) My voice. All right. Instead of George's voice. All right, here we go. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge." And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this is also but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter it is mad, and of pleasure what use is it? I searched with my heart how how to cheer my body with wine my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold of folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks, and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves, and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem." 
I also gathered for myself silver and gold in the treasures of the kings of provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also was vanity. For the wise as the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten." How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, saying that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I have toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and is striving after the wind." There you go. Very nice. Very nicely done. You always act like you are uh, a terrible reader, but... Mm. Mm. <laughs> I can see you're not in the mood to be uh, to be complimented this morning, so we'll just go, <sighs> Flatter- we'll just go on. Flattery is vanity, George. It's vanity. It's, it's, it is empty meaninglessness. Okay. All right. Well... Um, so as we, as you're going to show us, we're, we're going through this, uh, this journey. So he's, he's going from one thing to the other and Uh he's going to land somewhere. Right. Right. Um, so we've got five steps. Yeah. So five points to the sermon. Um, and we'll just walk through them and you just, uh, you just, okay. And they all end in ist. Ist. So you threw out some you know words, what? so I was like, yeah. If okay. people are wonder, like, hey, kind of what is it like to be a preacher? You ever wonder that, right? Here's what it's like. So, I wonder all the time I what will. it's like to be a preacher, Jay. <laughs> I wish I could be. I hope to be one one so day. So I, I went home last night, and I was taking a nap, and it was a good nap. But sometime in the middle of my nap, mm-hmm. I had this thought. Yeah. You did not clearly explain what a Yahweh is. <laughs> and so then I woke up, and the nap was over, because <laughs> the whole thing was futile after that. Okay. 
Yeah. You ever do that? Something like that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. All right. Well, we also had a question about how to spell it, so yeah, we'll, yeah. Get to, we'll get to that when we get to it. All right. I don't know how to spell it. I'll just tell that up front. I take the... Well, see, that's why you've got me. Yeah. You've got me Y-A-H-W-I-S-T. here with you. Y-A-H-W-I-S-T. Hey. There you go. There you go. That's my guess. All right. Well, let's get... Let's get... Let's do the first one, All right. and then we'll get to the fifth one. Okay. How's that sound? Yeah. All right. Okay. So the first one is the philosophist. The philosopher. Not the philosopher. Right. The philosophist. Yeah. When you first told me that, I'm like, oh, I had to. I had to. You sure about it. that one? Jay? I had to Google it, make sure it was a word. <laughs> and it's a word. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, so the philosophist. This is yeah. verses twelve through eighteen. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell us about the philosophist. Okay. So the first journey that Solomon sets out on is to understand everything under the sun. <clears throat> Um, he begins with a, a quest of wisdom to acquire great wisdom to see can wisdom be the ultimate thing that gives uh, gain? Like, mm-hmm. can I gain? That means to make myself full under the sun. Remember, ultimate meaning live just on this on this material world plane. Um, so he sets out this great journey to become super wise. Um, that's what he does, uh, and this is something that. Uh, people still do. People people come become obsessed with learning. I mean, some people will stack up the degrees. You know, they spend their entire life engaged in the education process. Yeah, they're uh, called professional students. Yeah, yeah. You got the people that just they will not graduate. Uh-huh. They're just they just keep coming back. Yeah, and with the amount of knowledge we have, you could you could spend your entire life pursuing a PhD in literally probably anything your mind could dream up. There probably is a PhD for it. Yeah, you called me into your office uh, last week, and you were like, hey, did you know that Harvard has a degree for almost every letter of the alphabet? Yeah, it's and not just a degree, a PhD. A PhD. Yeah, that's right. crazy. Yeah. I like the uh, the the one that you said, uh, what was it, packaging? Yeah, yeah. Packaging. There's a PhD in packaging. Oh, well, did you look into that, or did you just see Here's that what it was I think, there? Dude. Here's what I think. You ever, you ever see... Uh, Here's what I think a PhD in packaging is for. I think it's so that people can make more money by selling you a larger thing with the same amount of stuff in it. Have you ever seen this? <laughs> like you take the McDonald's cup, the small. Because I've got a PhD. No, nah, dude, you got to look it up. There's okay. videos. You don't need a PhD to understand it. You just okay. got to do the experiment yourself. It's like you take a McDonald's cup uh-huh. and then you take a medium, small and medium, mm. and you pour the fluid in, and it's like the same amount. Okay. But they just sold you a medium. Okay. For the same amount of fluid. Mm. The small's the same. It's like tri- it's like trickery, dude. And it's like, how do you put less cereal in the cereal box but make everybody think it's the same mm. and sell you the sa- and sell it for the same amount of money? Uh-huh. I think that's what's going on in the P- packaging PhD. So it's a uh, it's shy. It's pretty, it's a grift. It, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a PhD in how to be a, a conman. Oh yeah, for okay. sure, right. for sure. Okay, like how how do you get? Uh, well, there probably is some practical applications like for logistics mm-hmm. but the world doesn't doesn't run off of benevolence on how can we like it's right. all about money uh-huh. packaging okay. P- phd in packaging <laughs> can you imagine walking into like a uh like mcdonald's headquarters and there's the the guy who's the doctor of of packaging yeah, yeah. they're like we're guys we're losing we're losing just a little bit of money here and the guy like raises his hand i got a phd in packaging <laughs> Uh, let me tell you how to sell mediums, yep. but you're not going to put more liquid in it, uh-huh. but people are going to think there is. Gotcha. And you just saved them like, you know, $100 million a year or something. Yeah. 
do they offer that at Harvard or is that somewhere else? Where did you find that? That, that I didn't find that one at Harvard. I just found that one on the strangest PhDs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like online yeah. online schooling. Uh, I I would imagine. <laughs> what would I mean? It's probably real. I mean, it probably a business school. Are you writing like a dissertation on packaging? (laughs) (laughs) Well, probably. Yeah. You know. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you had some you had some interesting uh, PhDs that you were throwing out there. Yeah. But that was the one that uh, I thought was the funniest. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, there's there are the people who are professional students, and they just. But it's not just it's not just people that go to school. It's it's just people in general. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, we're we'll get to it at the end of the book. Solomon says um, that of the writing <laughs> of books, it's There's endless. There's no end. Right. There's no end to the writing of books. And it's it's wearisome. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'm guilty of it, just like a bunch of people. Just, we, I mean, I've just got tons of books. Mm-hmm. People always look so disappointed when they come in. Have you read all these? No. No. <laughs> you can always you can always see like their face drop like oh i thought you were really smart that's funny <laughs> um they just but, like to collect them like baseball cards that's right yeah everyone's got a hobby right <laughs> um but uh there there are the people mm-hmm. that they just stack up knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge mm-hmm. but does that satisfy yeah and that's that's this that's the quest he's on um, he and he says in verse sixteen, he's he's got greater wisdom than anyone ever that's before him, mm. and it and it really is true. You know, historically, Solomon is maybe the, one of the, the greatest kings in the Middle East, and uh, everyone knew about it. The queen Queen of Sheba comes to visit him and to test his knowledge, and she comes and inquires, and she said, "The half of what I heard was you you're more than even you know I didn't hear the half of it. Mm. You're greater than." Than everything that was told to me. Yeah. It's in First Kings ten six through seven, she comes, um, and so you have in that time with the amount of knowledge on the earth, perhaps the smartest, most knowledgeable man alive. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we people can have more knowledge now, but given that time, he says he learned about everything under the sun. So a wide variety of things, and not just not just knowledge like wisdom. He has practical. He has practical knowledge, like how to apply that wisdom to that that knowledge to the world, which is wisdom. So he's not just a book smart guy; he's like a street smart guy too. He's got a he's got it both, and um, he's he says that's vanity. Yeah, it's a striving after the wind, um, and he gives kind of two parables to describe the problem of of wisdom. The first one is, um, well, the first thing we should back up. The question is, why, given much wisdom, does there come this great frustration? Why can't it satisfy you? And he tells you in verse 13 that it's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. And we think, oh, that's that's a strange statement. Mm. But it's a statement of the sovereignty of God, and it's maybe the first one we encounter in the book, and it's important, as we'll see at the end of this section, it's an important statement that men, no matter their great learning, still find that it's never enough, it can't satisfy their heart. It's a great—he calls it a great—it calls it an unhappy business. So God has given men an unhappy business to seek after knowledge and to find that it's never enough. So that's important. Now, what happens when men do it? 
and he gives these two little parables. The first one is in 15, and it's linked really kind of linked to, to verse 13. He says, What is crooked cannot be made straight. So coming with great learning and wisdom comes the reality that you can't change reality. Mm. You come with that real that epiphany hits you. Right. All of this great learning I have, I can't change reality. There are things, there are problems in the world that are too great even for my great learning and my knowledge. I can't solve them. I can't fix them. They're conundrums that cannot be answered by this great knowledge I've acquired. I just listed a few. You know, uh, why do why do some people get cancer and die and others don't? Why 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 can some people have children and other people that you say are great people? You know, they'd be great parents. They can't have kids. So. With all of your great learning, you become aware of a lot of these problems in the world that humans can't solve. Mm. And even in our great learning, there are a lot of problems that we aren't even close to solving. Well, you could see it just with the whole COVID epidemic. Mm. Everything that they did, it <laughs> it just kept spreading and it mm. just kept mutating. And now they, I mean, they keep changing every every guideline right. because they're they're still trying to. Yeah, to deal with it. And there's all of these like little echoes of Eden. I don't think that's original to me, uh, but it's here. These echoes of Eden are there. Are a lot of them in Ecclesiastes, but they come in these little phrases like this: "What is crooked cannot be made straight." Well, what's crooked? The world, <laughs> everything. The world's crooked. Right. The world was subject to futility. Mm. Uh, after man, we sinned against God. We brought the curse. Humanity brought a curse into the world. Right. And now we can't make it straight. And yeah. no human knowledge can fix it. Yeah, you've got uh, you got guys like Elon Musk that want to go populate another planet, mm-hmm. and what they're going to discover is that they're bringing the problems with them. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, they they can't escape the problems just because they leave Earth's atmosphere. It's like that. Uh, remember that M Night Shy- Shyamalan mov- uh, movie, The Village, mm. where they like recreate early society. They kind of try to make a utopia. Yeah. Because they leave the world and all the problems of the world, then all of a sudden what happens? There's like a murder, mm. and they just soon discover you can't escape. Where there's humans, mm. these problems just reemerge. And that's, I mean, you can't, well, that's getting off track, but <laughs> what's crooked can't be made straight. Then the, the next thing he says is, and what is lacking cannot be counted. So it's like, the other thing you realize when you have great wisdom and knowledge is you don't even know the right questions to ask. Mm. So uh, there are things you don't know, but you don't even know that you don't know them. Right. And you don't even know what questions to ask to arrive where you need to get. Um, what, what, what's a, like a little homespun saying? Don't count your chickens before they hatch, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, you don't even know what you would count in the first place. Okay. Because <laughs> you don't even know or, if you have... Or what, a, or what a chicken is. Yeah. So you don't know what you don't know. So you can't count. You cannot count what is lacking. Okay. That's the idea. I got you. Um, when he says, I acquired, I acquired more wisdom. So he seek, then he, then in uh, verse, beginning in verse 16 through 18, he then applies his knowledge to examine knowledge. What's the, what does knowledge give me? Like, what does this knowledge and wisdom got me? And then he gives you another parable. And we kind of get have a statement called ignorance of bliss. That's what mm-hmm. I thought of when I read this. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Right? If you don't know something's a problem, well, then you don't worry about it. But when you have a lot of learning and a lot of wisdom, right. then everything's a problem that you can't solve. And so he says, for in much wis- wisdom is much vexation. That means grief. So it, it increases your grief, and increased knowledge increases sorrow. So the smarter you get, the more wisdom you acquire, 
the more depressed you get. Right. And that's actually, that's actually, well, it's true because, I mean, God tells us it's true, Mm. but here we are, you know, 3,000 years later, and what do you know, George, people are getting PhDs discovering this stuff. Right. That the higher the IQ, the more depressed a person is. Yeah, uh, you've got, uh, what, Stephen Hawking's one of the most brilliant men ever, Mm. but you, you look at you look at his outlook on life and it was not optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's that's what wisdom will get you. Mm-hmm. You'll gain all this great knowledge and wisdom, but then you'll realize I can't change reality around me and it's actually made me depressed because mm-hmm. now I see all the problems and I don't know how to fix them. Mm. Yeah. That's wisdom. <laughs> Off to a good start. <laughs> Off to a great start. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Drop out of school, kids. No, no, that's not what Jay's saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the second one is uh, found in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and that's the hedonist. Yeah. I w- almost went with the Charlie Sheenist. <laughs> but, but I figured the hedonist would okay. be better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. The hedonist. If only Charlie Sheen could have read this before, because he tried to recreate Solomon's uh, lifestyle, I guess. (laughs) It's not working. uh, The I think he would have lost everyone if he would have if he would have if he would have said that in the sermon. Well, some of the people would have got it. Most of them been like, "What?" Yeah. All they remember is hot shots. Remember that that movie. <laughs> well, is that well? There's a dark. Is that what they? <laughs> there's a big dark turn after hot shots. Is that is that what everyone thinks of? <laughs> or what? What's the one okay. where he's uh, where he's like Rambo? Okay, you remember that? That's Hot Shots Part, part two. two. Part Part two. two. Part two. Part two. Yeah. yeah, it was all downhill after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the hedonist. This is this is a Solomon. Look, okay, he's done wisdom. Now he's like, all right, I'll go the other way. the The terms he uses in here are madness and folly, as opposed to wisdom. But he says, I'm going to go all in on pleasure. I'm going to. That's what hedonism is. It's to live for pleasure. He says, I'm going to. I'm going to withhold nothing from myself. Using wisdom still, he's, he knows he's on an experiment. Okay? Mm-hmm. He's not like just saying, ah, whatever, let's... Right. He's like, let's... I'm going to take my wisdom, and I'm going to apply it. Let's see if there is anything under the sun, any pleasure that could actually satisfy my heart mm-hmm. and give me fulfillment and gain. <clears throat> and that's the next step, the next journey that he takes. Now, the, the issue we should remember when we're talking about this, because we'll keep seeing it's very negative, is not the problem. There's not a problem with pleasure and seeking pleasure. The problem is in seeking it to become ultimate in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what the hedonist does. The, the hedonist is the person that makes pleasure mm-hmm. the ultimate. Right. It's yeah. the it's the, um, the eat and drink for tomorrow we die uh-huh. attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what he does. Um, he begins. He goes on this 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 pleasure quest. Uh, first, he goes with wine, fine wine. Verse three. He tried to cheer himself with wine, and it didn't work. Um, it's not to say that he's not saying that there, like, 
it didn't work, so wine is a problem. And the, what we're talking about here is someone who would be like drinking heavily, right? Like all day, <clears throat> yeah. like every day, yeah, trying to find meaning uh-huh. in in alcohol. Yeah, being right. inebriated. We could right. put in here today not just alcohol. Mm-hmm. We could put in here recreational drug use. Mm-hmm. Can being high all day or being drunk all day? Yeah. Can that fulfill my heart and actually make me happy? Right. And it can't. Mm-hmm. So, shocker. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think most people know this, and yet it seems that people are still determined to try, mm-hmm. even though Solomon tells us, and we have tons of evidence all around us, that it can't. You can't drink away your problems. You can't drink your way to happiness. The best that can do is numb the pain temporarily or give you temporary joy mm-hmm. and pleasure. Yeah. And that's it. So Right. Um, so the second one is uh, found in verses four through six, which are great works. Yeah. So he, That's what you said. Yeah, great works. And, and you can see it. I, I kind of try to pick words that you could look at and say, yeah, there's that word. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that's the next thing he does. He says, I made great works. Um, houses. I imagine probably massive structures. Um, of course, we know he finished, we finished the temple. That was part of his work. Right, but then he built, of, his, he built his house. And then he built his house, his massive house, because mm-hmm. he's got he's to house a lot of people, if you know what I'm saying. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, vineyards, pools of water, mm-hmm. uh, forest, uh, all kinds of stuff. And you read it and you think, man, it sounds like he's trying to recreate the Garden of Eden, mm. you know? Uh, he, he kind of is, is set up as a, an Adam figure in, uh-huh. in First Kings. Yeah. Um he he studies animals, plants, he he builds a garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the one of the like key phrases or I guess hints that this is all in the wrong uh, motivation is you, you see the repeated I. I made, I made, I made for myself, mm-hmm. I made for myself. I made myself. Yeah. Like it's repeated here in this section of four right. through six. He's doing all this for himself, not for God. And so he creates a little garden. It's a garden, maybe a garden of little garden of Eden, but with Solomon at its center, not God. Mm-hmm. And so all of his great works, in the end, all his great accomplishment, his great works, they can't, they can't fulfill. Right. This one I think is really good for the for humanity in general to look at. I mean, you just look at look at Dubai. This I think of Dubai when I think of this. Mm-hmm. This is they're trying to recreate a garden paradise without God. Mm-hmm. Or Saudi Arabia, you see their like gigantic wall city, mm. which just looks like a prison to me. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. supposedly going to build this thing. <clears throat> but of all the great works man has ever done, it never it never satisfies ultimately. Yeah, this gave us a good talking point with Phineas um, on Sunday afternoon because. He loves to build. Mm. I mean, since he's been super young, he said he wants to be an architect. Mm. And we were able to talk to him about this. That's cool. Like it's it's okay to build things. It's okay to to want to uh, to make big, beautiful structures. Mm-hmm. But will that ultimately satisfy you? Right. Of course, yeah. of course not. Yeah. I mean, you get that you get that sense of satisfaction, but it doesn't give you. Right. Ultimate meaning. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. 
And and so he tries it, he fails. Yeah. Part two. So <laughs> he went for went with the alcohol, went with the great works, didn't do it. Now he goes material possessions and wealth. And uh he acquires more than anyone ever before him. So he is he's mega rich. <laughs> like uh don't know if he's the richest man in the entire world, but in his region, he's the guy. Right. He's the richest king. Well, it around. says uh it says in First Kings that during Solomon's reign, silver was considered nothing yeah. because it was so plentiful. It was so plentiful that it it, it lost its value. Yeah, um, he made it like stones. I think is what uh, what the author of Kings says. Yeah, kind of like the American dollar, <laughs> right? Nowadays, yeah, uh, yeah. So he he uh, he 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 answers the question that. Pretty much every American has. If I won the lottery, would I be happy? <laughs> Everybody thinks the answer is yes. That's why you know Mega Millions gets over five hundred million. It gets up high like that, and then everybody will start playing the lottery. Yeah, you go to the gas station, and there's just people online. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, everybody thinks money will make them. Well, happy. that's why you can drive. You can drive by a casino at. Any time of day, mm-hmm. and the parking lot is always packed. Always, any day. Yeah, yeah. Um, because people are there trying to strike it big. Yep. Right. You, uh, you, you told me something last week that I didn't know mm-hmm. about lottery winners. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I, I thought you were going to use that. I thought that you were going to use that in your sermon. No, I couldn't find the original article that I read. But oh, really? Yeah, they. Uh, it may be that they just die more than everybody else because people kill them and stuff, mm. but there is a high percentage that actually commit suicide. Okay. You would think no one who could win the lottery would ever commit suicide. <laughs> right. But uh, one of the problems is um, what they do is they, they think, I'll get this thing and then I'll be happy finally. Mm-hmm. And then they get it and they can have literally anything they want. Yeah. And then they're still miserable. Mm. And so now what is there to eat? Now all hope is gone. Right. Because there's not that thing you could hope for. That could potentially make you happy. It's all gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's this is the same reason you look at Hollywood people today. Uh, they're just as miserable as everybody else. Yeah. I mean, you'd think they've got everything. They should be happy, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Well, you. Uh, I mean, we've got the we've got the example. Anne Hache was in the news all weekend. Yeah. Because she. Was she doing drugs or was, yeah, she, or was, was she drunk? I think they said she was high on cocaine. Okay. Yeah, she drove herself into that crash. She crashed yeah. herself into the house. Yeah, and she died. Um, yeah. Still pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, like 44-ish. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like Charlie Sheen. Going yeah. back to Charlie Sheen, everything goes back to Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah. It's because he's got that Adonis, that Adonis blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you would think that these would be the happiest people. They're they're rich, they're famous, they're successful. They're, yeah. they're not. Yeah, they're just they're just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. All all the rest of us peasants. Yeah. Right. But it's really easy for us to to get caught up in that temptation mm-hmm. um that if we had just a little bit more we would we'd be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And so then he it's not it. So But Solomon has Everything. Everything. He, he's not. He's not lacking anything. Yeah. He's, he's not lacking anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
what was that one uh that one quote it's a good quote by uh i think it's by one of the by the rockefeller maybe mm-hmm. yeah 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 is it rockefeller or i'm pretty it, sure yeah. i'm pretty sure it was rockefeller. how much money's enough mm-hmm. and he said just a little, just bit, a little more. bit more that's what it always be right. just a little bit more so then he goes next he goes uh singers so i labeled this one art and entertainment mm. He yeah. acquires male and female singers for himself, mm-hmm. entertain himself, right? right. Um, and this is obviously a, an American problem. <laughs> right. We're entertainment obsessed. Oh, yeah. We can just, we cannot not be entertained. Yeah. You know, the answer, or the question, uh, Max, Maximus Decimus Meridius, are you not entertained? Mm-hmm. That he asks as a gladiator, right. and the American answer is no, we're not. Right. <laughs> right. We're not, ever. Yeah. We're never entertained. We are so inundated with new TV shows and music and games. We don't know what to do with it all. Mm-hmm. Right. And every every movie, every show, every game, it's got to be the best. It's got to be the best. Bigger, bigger, it's got to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it'll never be enough for me now, as I told you. Oh, yeah. You you uh, you caught my kids' attention with that uh, with that illustration. I don't know if you caught anyone else's, but you caught my kids. I'm sad. I can't. I can never. I've moved on from any hope that art and entertainment will satisfy me. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> it can't. I know it can't. And I'm not even. It, this is just will never be entertained by me. Yeah, as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Because when Captain America lifted the Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. After ten years of buildup and 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 laid the lightning smack down on Thanos, mm. that was it. That's the greatest. That's the greatest piece of entertainment ever done under the sun <laughs> in three thousand years. In three thousand years, there's never been an entertainment moment like that's that. It. That is that's that's the that's the pinnacle. I did, yeah. I okay. left the theater. Knowing. All all human history of entertainment. It ended right then. Shakespeare. Uh, yep, that's yeah, it. The the you know Beethoven, Mm-mm. all it, of it. It'll never top it. It's all common. We uh, we went home and we were talking about it, and we watched some of the uh, the reactions, <laughs> the theater reaction videos. Yeah, we watched. I told, I told, we I, watched the theater reaction to to Captain America picking up uh-huh. the, the hammer, and everyone's standing up and cheering. I mean, you can't even hear the dialogue. People are cheering. Yeah, there are people are screaming. Mm-hmm. I went opening night of this movie. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Uh-huh. Like after it leaks, get out right. So right. people kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, hammer starts kind of moving, starts mm-hmm. to coming up off the ground. People are like, "What? What? No!" And then, <laughs> and then it flies past them, and then bam, in the hand, and people just jumped up. Yeah, and I didn't jump up because that's I don't roll like that. <laughs> but people jumped up and screamed. Man, they screamed. The pinnacle of the pinnacle of. Uh entertainment that's it for jay and jay is just like so i left the he's theater just, he's just sitting there <laughs> i left the theater knowing you you can I could see, never be entertained well, you again can, you can see this with the with the reactions to the next to these recent marvel movies like They're, everyone's saying that it's it's all garbage it's, it's just it's not living up to people's expectations because they've got the the you know infinity war and, and endgame yeah um expectations uh-huh. and instead they're getting you know the eternals <laughs> <laughs> you know? right and, and so their their expectations yeah. are just not yeah they're just not there yep that's right, right? that's it yeah um, it's and a striving I mean, after the wind yeah and you see this you see this everywhere but yeah i mean that's this is uh 
Solomon. You know, he didn't have, did Mar- you he didn't see, have Marvel. But did, he, you see, did you see the story that Peter Jackson uh, considered being hypnotized to forget working on the Lord of the Rings movie so that he could experience it for the first time? No. <laughs> yeah. Really? Because, you know, he, you go to the Lord of the Rings and it's these massive you know fantasy epic mm-hmm. movies and and we we go and we we say man this is i mean this is this is fantastic mm-hmm. well, peter jackson said well it's not the same for him because he knows all the ins and outs he knows how you know all the stuff that went into it and all the background stuff and and so he can't he can't sit and just enjoy the movie so he actually considered going to a hypnotist <laughs> to forget that he to he forget could, he could just read so the that books, he right? could <laughs> So he could, so he could forget, so that he could go and watch the movie because That's he's funny. looking for that. He's looking yeah. for that satisfaction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you can only, you can only find it in a hypnotist, apparently. I guess. Just make me forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he uh, art and entertainment didn't do it. So he moves yeah. on to sex. I tried alcohol, great works, possessions, and wealth, entertainment. And now he tries sex, pleasure. It's, it's like Solomon is trying to do the American experience. He's trying, I'm telling right. you. He's just working his way through America. He had a vision of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to try it. <laughs> or maybe Charlie Sheen read it and he was like, you know what? Yeah. I know Solomon said, what can someone do after me? Mm. Well, I'm going to up it. I'm going <laughs> to give it a shot. <clears throat> but I don't think you can up Solomon. So Solomon, he... uh he says he acquires for himself many concubines. So, to get he's see- pretty, he's been pretty modest here in Ecclesiastes, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So you you read about it in Kings, and it's seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. So they call that a harem, George. <laughs> yes, that's, that's-, that's what they call that uh, seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines. So, um, that's like a different lady every day for almost three years. So. And I made the comment, he's also not only the wisest man in the world, but probably the most patient. Did you get any pushback from uh, did you get said, any pushback from that? Can you imagine asking, <laughs> Hey, where do you guys where do you want to eat dinner? And then you hear, I don't know, a thousand times. <laughs> who can who can live you, like you this? Not, uh, you not only brave saying that <laughs> from the pulpit, <laughs> you brave saying it again <laughs> today. <laughs> hey, I, I'm sorry. I, I have to be a, I have to be a speaker of truth. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't work. Yeah. So he he can do anything any man could ever want to do, right? And uh, he and he says doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and but somehow today we we are still determined in our society that this could be something. Right? This is why pornography is so um, such a such a lucrative business. Mm-hmm. Ninety seven billion a year. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I looked that up. Yeah. Ninety seven billion a year. Right. And uh, and people think that this can give them some type of ultimate satisfaction, ultimate fulfillment, even though they know it can't. Mm-hmm. It's like never enough. Right. But Solomon already told you that. He already told you, look, I already tried all this. It doesn't work. Sexual pleasure will never fill you up. I even made the comment that I think there are people in the world that even within the confines of like maybe a marriage, a covenant marriage, they pursue sex the wrong way as if it's ultimate, mm-hmm. and that's they have problems in their marriage. Right. Because because you can never make something that God even made that is a good thing, mm-hmm. a covenant marriage and sex into an ultimate to to have satisfy you, and yeah. you're going to find that it, it can't do that. Right. Um, but it's even worse outside of the covenant confines of marriage between a man and a woman for life. 
because not only will it not fill you up, it will make you more empty. Yeah, it'll well, contribute I, to the emptiness. I, you know, I, I I think we could we could even go another step and say, you know, marriage itself, though a great good that's been given to us from God, when we make it an ultimate, it won't satisfy us mm-hmm. because marriage is not it's not the the end for which we were created. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's meant to point us to something greater. So even even if you have a good marriage, if you try to make that ultimate, you're not going to be satisfied because that that person can't can't satisfy you. And they're going to die in, in one their day. in their ultimate. That's what you always come back to, right? Well, what are you going to do when they die? Right. Yeah. So yeah. So we've got the philosophist, so the the pursuit of wisdom. The hedonist, the pursuit of pleasure. And now we have in verses twelve through sixteen the nihilist. Right. Now you're gonna have to you're gonna have to define what a nihilist is because okay. we don't we don't use that word. First I'll explain very often. this step is not a step he takes in order to find fulfillment. Uh-huh. It's what happens when he then sits back and he says, All right, now I'm gonna examine these first two steps that I that I've taken. Mm-hmm. He, he sets out to test them. Yeah. And you can see that he says that. Um, he says, So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. So madness and folly, as I said, is that pursuit of pleasure opposed to wisdom. And then he says, What can the man do who comes after the king? And the answer is, he could only do what I've tried. So if you're thinking, I can do the experiment better, mm-hmm. he says, No, all you could ever do or anyone else that comes after me, you could you could just recreate my experiment, but you can't do more. Mm-hmm. So now I'm now that I've done this, I'm going to look at it and see which is better: is living in wisdom better, or is living with madness and folly better? And his conclusion is, he says, there is there is some gain better to living as wisdom, living wise in the mm-hmm. world, because he says, as as light is better than darkness, so living with wisdom is better than just living in madness and folly, right. because. The wise person can navigate the world and kind of see what's coming. Mm-hmm. Like you're walking with the lights on, right? But if you just if you don't have wisdom, you're just walking through the world, just bumping in, like getting surprised by stuff. So in that respect, <clears throat> it would be better to live as a wise person than just mm-hmm. as a fool. Yeah. But <laughs> this is where it goes into the realm of uh, nihilism uh, or nihilism. Which one is it? I can't decide. I think it might be nihilism. Is that what you're going with? I think nihilism. Okay. So here's how he ends up there. Verse 16 just tells you this. The wise dies just like the fool. Uh So the same event, he says, he looks in 14 through 16, he comes to this realization, this perception. The same event happens to everybody that, that lives. The wise person will die just like the fool dies. So what is the point in any of it? Mm-hmm. What's ultimately gained? Living your life under the sun as if God's not important or he's even there. Um, the wise person, Solomon, what's the point in all the wisdom I've gained? Because I'm going to die just like the fool. We Both we both, both thing happens to both of us. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where he ends up. <clears throat> Nihilism. There's no point in anything. Mm. It's the kind of like, so what? Doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's that's where he goes. There, there's this quote I had. I forgot to say it. It's from uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, mm-hmm. who was uh, he was the father of of nihilism. Uh huh. Everything in the world displeases me, and you can can I see Solomon's there? Mm-hmm. Everything in the world displeases me. 
but of all, but above all, my displeasure and everything displeases me. <laughs> okay. And that's where you that's where you get trapped. Uh-huh. Right. If there is no God or you or you are living as if there is no God, mm-hmm. you end up in this absurd reality right. that everything in the world displeases you, but above all your displeasure and everything displeases you. Mm. It's a mad place to be. <clears throat> Which is what happened to him. Mm-hmm. He went mad. Mm-hmm. Um Nietzsche he went mad from from the absurdity of it all. Right. And that's just meaningless. Uh, but like you said, no one no one lives at least consistently this way. No no one can live like this, right? And someone who would even be a self who would be a someone who would profess to follow after Nietzsche mm-hmm. today in this absurd philosophy. Um they still stop at red lights. I don't remember the first time I ever heard that, but it's the most mm-hmm. simple, perfect illustration. Okay. And the reason you stop at red lights is because you think your life matters somehow. Mm. And you're right. Yeah. Because that's the grace of God still. God is still giving you grace in that that understanding, whether you would you know, you would pop out from the suppression of truth and your unrighteousness and go, somehow my life matters. I gotta figure out why. It's because you're made in God's image. So you stop at red lights. Yeah. If 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 this was truly how, how what you believed, if it was all real, you'd just go on. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. We still eat. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you would uh you'd blow dry your hair while you're in the bathtub and just take the risk. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nobody lives like that though. You right. can't. It's right. un- unlivable. Yeah. So that's uh that's where he goes. Okay. That's it's kind of it's not a step on the journey, it's the logical conclusion he comes to. Yeah. By comparing them. Okay. The next one is is kind of a it, it's kind of a pairing with nihilism, mm-hmm. right? Um this is in verses 17 through 23, if mm-hmm. I got that right. That's right. Okay. This is the misanthropist. Yeah. And that just means someone who hates life, okay, or or hates humanity. In this case, Solomon okay. says he hates his life. So I took him at his word. So I hated life. That's where he ends up. He's a misanthropist. So um, he sees that everything he's done, all the effort and all the toil he's put in, is really for no reason. Mm. It wouldn't have mattered if he ever did it anyway. But it gets worse than that because he says, "Okay, I've got all this awesome, this awesome empire, all this stuff, but who knows when I die who I'm going to leave it to." Yeah, I may leave it to an absolute fool who didn't work for any of this, right? Um, and we see we have the we have the uh, the uh, the benefit of being able to see mm-hmm. what, happens what happens after Solomon. So Rehoboam, he is he is a fool. Yeah, he he isn't wise. He, it's under Rehoboam that uh, the kingdom splits into north and south. Yeah, and what happens to all of Solomon's work? Yeah. His legacy. He doesn't even right. survive a generation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because he brought in that harem. That was the downturn was right that there, the downturn? buddy. <laughs> he brought in those foreign ladies with yeah. those foreign gods. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And there it was. Right. Trojan horse. But yeah, so he hates his life. He says, I hated life. I hated all my toil. Verse 18. Um, some fool is going to inherit everything I've got. Who knows? Um and so that's where he ends up. That's a pretty bad place to end up. Mm-hmm. Especially when you consider that he had everything. <laughs> right. 
to hate his life. He has all the money, all the power, fame, wisdom. People come to entertainment. see him to acquire yeah, people his come, wisdom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people, I mean, you read about it. It's not just the Queen of Sheba. It's it's all the kings. Uh-huh. All the kings are coming and uh, and seeking wisdom from Solomon. Uh-huh. And he... He, he he extends the kingdom. It, it stretches to the Euphrates, is what it says. Euphrates to Egypt, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's got everything that he could want, right? Yeah. And yet here he is. He hates life. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, not a good not a good quest. Yeah, the quest is not uh, end in success. Mm-hmm. So don't take the quest. So we've got the fifth the fifth step. Mm-hmm. How how would you define? Is this is this just the the next? Is this just where he lands? Are we still are we still on the way to like a fuller meaning? So yeah, I mean this this will there'll be there's little gems of this throughout, uh-huh. and then at the very end it will become more full. Okay, but he writes this after the fact, right? Like he's not writing this, right? Like he's okay. not writing this as the misanthropist, right? Right. He's writing it after the fact. Yeah, <clears throat> and this is a little. Uh, pick me up so that you don't jump out a window before you get done reading Ecclesiastes. That's right. That's right. Because right, it comes at the you end. You know, we have the, we have the story of, of Solomon. He does, he marries all these foreign women and he starts to worship foreign gods. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I, I mean, we don't have any proof of this, but I kind of take Ecclesiastes as his repentance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, if that's the case. Yeah, I don't know if we, uh, how uh, but, we could know. But he does he yeah. does come back to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. So verses twenty four through twenty six is the Yahwist, right? And the correct spelling is Y A H W I S T. Yep, Yahwist. Yeah. Yahwist. So you you uh, you woke up from your nap uh, r- realizing that you didn't I forgot explain, to, you yeah. didn't really explain it. So you want to explain it now? Yeah, here's how I'll explain what a Yahwist is. Um, so I didn't want to just use the term theist. Because he's not a theist. He doesn't just believe in a God. Right. He believes in the covenant God of Israel, the one true and living God, whose name is Yahweh. Now, his name isn't present, but he is here. Yeah. He's through Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> covenant God. Um, so I use the term Yahwist. Now, a Yahwist is someone who lives under the sovereignty of God, realizing that everything that they have in life comes from his hand. Their food, their drink everything they do in that particular day, every minute of their life. One of our church members, Emily, reminded me that apparently I said one time that God is sovereign over everything in the world, even the little floaties in your eyes. (laughs) And I said, I guess so. I'll take your word that I said it on the podcast. I don't know what I say half the time. But that's a Yahweh. Yeah, okay. That's where he ends up. That um, yeah, we talked a lot about God's sovereignty in Sunday school. We were um, we were uh, we're our Sunday school is is the songs we sing, mm-hmm. and so we've been studying the different hymns and songs that uh, that we sing at, at Christ Fellowship Church. And Sunday was um, uh, Christ, our hope in life and death. Yeah, and uh, that's based upon the first um, question of the Heidelberg Catechism: What is your only comfort in life and death? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great answer mm-hmm. that uh, we belong to. We belong to our Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. um, and it. Uh, there's one line in there that says that um, we also know that that without His will, not one single hair falls from our head, which is a great comfort 
<laughs> more and more as I see more and more hairs fall from my head. Uh, but also it says that that um, all things are subservient to our salvation, mm-hmm. which that means that God in his meticulous sovereignty is guiding everything so that anything that happens to a Christian's life is subservient to his salvation. Yeah. That I mean, that's just Romans eight twenty eight, that all things are working together for our good. So that's the that's the, the sovereignty of God, right? Yeah, and and this forms this um, like brackets. The inclusio is the theological term, but think of it as brackets. There's brackets around this passage, and the bra- and the, what brackets it is God and His sovereignty. So the very beginning in one thirteen through fourteen, God has given to man something. He's given to them a frustration an unhappy business that they would search in the world and end up frustrated, empty for all their pursuits under the sun. Mm. But he also has given something else, and this is what Solomon brings out here at the end. He says, there's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This is Ecclesiastes 2, 24 through 25. So, but some people would say, okay, well, is he saying that because there's no meaning in life? Because all we have is today, we should just eat and drink for tomorrow we die? No. He says, this. there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their day, like what you have today, food, drink, and your work, because this also is from the hand of God, because it's given to you as a gift from God. For apart from him, who can eat and drink and have enjoyment? So there is no joy in the world except for that which comes from God's hand to you. Mm. And so you're what all there is, this is like the key to life, as we'll see, it's going to come up in various ways repeatedly, is to live as one under the sovereignty of God, receiving from Him the joy He's given you where you're at presently. I like that you said that. It's the difference between being a seeker and being a receiver. Right. You, there's no amount, and that's what kind of what this experiment he goes on shows you. You can seek under heaven anything your heart could possibly desire if you had the resources to do it, and you would come up empty no joy, no fulfillment. But anyone can sit where they are and become a receiver from the hand of Yahweh. That's his point. Whether you have a lot or you have a little, it's what he's given you. And so you should be not just grateful, you should enjoy life mm. where you're at. Yeah. And the problem is, is people that are too people are too busy, and I know you can identify, I can identify with this. You're too busy a lot of times worried about what's coming in the future. Yeah. What am I gonna do tomorrow? What am I doing next week? What about next year? You know, what's going on with the kids next whatever? Mm-hmm. And uh, well, you know, what about the past? I could have done things differently and maybe things would be different now than they are. People live like this. We live in the past or we live in the future. And Solomon is saying, No, enjoy your life right now, right. this very moment that you have as a gift from God for your enjoyment. Mm. I uh, I was reminded of Paul's words in First Timothy chapter six. He's got a warning against uh, loving money, mm-hmm. loving riches. But he says in verses six through eight, he says, "But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Mm-hmm. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content." Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think so often you you started the sermon with with the illustration of the the saying the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And that that is just a, a temptation that is just always lingering. Is that well, if we just had this, if we just had that, we would be 
better. Life would be better. Right. Um, I mean, having a little bit more money, that would be better. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but what Paul says and what Solomon is saying is that we should be content with what God has given us, mm-hmm. that he's given us, he's given us the things that we have for our enjoyment. And instead, in our sinfulness, we're always wanting more. Yeah. And we're looking elsewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're, we're never satisfied with what we have or we're worried that we don't have enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, we ought to be satisfied. Right. And content. Yeah. That's it. Right. Got it. And that's where he ends. So, so how do we read this as a Christian? We could just end it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've gotten to Yahweh. Right. But at this point, probably could take this to a synagogue mm-hmm. and just preach it to right to unbelieving mm-hmm. Jewish people right right but we're we we need to read this as Christians what how do we read this in the in the light of the coming of Christ mm-hmm. and his work how do we how do we apply that to this passage so first thing to remember is that we always believe that you can get to Christ legitimately from any part of the Bible. Mm. You don't have to like create something, right? You don't have to be like um, the scarlet thread that Rahab let down was blood. That's the blood of Christ. Like, there's some illegitimate ways that people do it. Mm. Now, there are some who would say, "Oh, that's legitimate." I'm like, ah, "No, I don't really think so." But there are legitimate ways, right? That's like taking a machete and like crashing <laughs> through the forest. All right. Um. There are a few places where you can use what's called typology. Um, so Solomon is a type of Christ. Uh-huh. He points us to someone greater than himself. And we have an explicit passage in the New Testament. I'm grateful for, for these that come up in Ecclesiastes because it's going to be a lot more difficult, I think, in other places. But here it's very clear. Yeah. Uh, Jesus has interaction with the scribes and the Pharisees, <clears throat> and they want more signs like they always do. They're always putting Jesus to the test, and they're always like, give us another sign. Like... None of them are. None of the signs are ever enough. That's not the problem. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus begins to uh, talk to them about their unbelief and how they're not getting another sign. The only sign they're going to get from here on is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then how they're going to be judged at the end of the age for their disbelief and how uh, if other people had the knowledge they had, they would have repented long ago. Well, in this particular case, in Matthew 12, 38 through 42, he uses the queen of the south, which is the queen of Sheba, and Solomon. And he says this, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. So the, so she's going to condemn you mm-hmm. for your unbelief. And condemn this and with this generation, condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And so we get here by typology because the book begins. These are the words of the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. His name is Solomon, the king of peace. Mm-hmm. And so when we come to Christ, he is the antitype, son of David the king of Jerusalem, and the king of peace. That's who he is. And he himself says, something greater than Solomon is here. So he's the greater Solomon, and so he's the greater wise man. He's the wisest man that's ever lived. And so if if you would be foolish not to heed the words of Solomon and listen to his great words, double, triple, quadruple foolishness to not listen to the words of Jesus. 
And so then we are able to come to Christ through this way and to examine what he says about these things. And he says similar things to Solomon through his teachings. One of them that uh, that I brought out, which is helpful for us, he doesn't teach us to pray to gain more or extra. He teaches us to receive from God our daily bread. Mm. Like, just give me what I need today. Yeah, That's Jesus' way of living. There were a lot of others I could have brought out uh, on about an- anxiety and worrying about tomorrow and living today in the present. Mm. People think, like, it's an Eastern thing to be present, but this is really a Christian thing. Yeah. You're to live in today, in this moment, with what God has given you to do today, uh, and to do that for His glory. It's a simple principle. Um, the other one that I think is very important, it's one of my favorite verses, is John 10.10. Everybody's seeking for the, you know, there's something greener, there's something better, there's a more abundant, full life out there for me that I don't have yet. And Jesus says, this is the reason he came. He says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And abundant means more than, like surplus, extra. Jesus wants you to have a good life. Yeah. I think we forget that. That doesn't mean he wants us all to be rich. It means he wants us to have that which will really actually ultimately fulfill us, which is God. He wants us to become Yahwist, <laughs> but ultimate Yahwist. Right. He wants us to come to Yahweh through him. Mm. That's the idea Yeah. here. Okay. So that's, that's where I went. That's good. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Well, where are you going next? You're gonna, yeah. you're gonna sing this. Is that gonna be your intro yeah. next we'll week? Sing you're it. gonna sing the song. We're gonna sing it as we're a gonna church sing it together. as a church we'll sing, corporate singing. Yeah, we'll sing the birds. Okay, <laughs> they totally ripped off. They owe Solomon so many royalties. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing new under the sun, and they demonstrated it by mm. ripping off Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this this is about time. Um, I think kind of the way I will go with it is that um, time exists so that we could stand in awe of the God who's eternal. Mm. Okay. Very nice. How far are you going to, going to go in chapter 3? going to do not, the whole thing? Or gonna... No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I can't remember exactly where the break is. Okay. But, yeah, I don't think I'll, I think I'll get all of it. All right. Very nice. Well, that was good. Jay, awesome. thank you for uh, walking through that, and um, hopefully this has been beneficial for everyone i would encourage you to go back and uh listen to the sermon um study the text for yourself and uh, we do hope that this helps you to become more and more conformed to christ so uh, if this has been helpful for you please make sure to like subscribe share get the word out and uh hopefully you will uh, join us again on friday for free for all friday and i uh, i'll try to find something to top our uh, <laughs> our musical number from the beginning all right we'll see you next time